We are to be in a state of continual, habitual preparedness and readiness for those good deeds that God has ordained before the foundation of the earth. This is the way we ought to be thinking around everybody, eagerly anticipating and ready to obey what God says concerning every situation. Thanks for joining us for this weekend edition of Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. Equipping the Saints is a daily radio outreach from Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Greg, engaging the culture for redemptive purposes without becoming like the culture is a delicate balance. You know, Dave, it really is. And we cannot remove ourselves from this world. It's it's our temporary home until we go to glory. But uh, with that in mind, we need to understand how the Lord would have us live in the midst of this lost and dying world. And so today, I just wanted to spend some time in reviewing what we've already been learning in the past few broadcasts about how to live in the midst of an ungodly world. Our text is Titus chapter 3. So if you have a Bible handy, I'd invite you to turn there as we begin. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, if you want to listen to today's broadcast again, just download our new free app from the Apple App Store. You'll find today's broadcast, archived broadcasts, as well as more about this ministry and our teacher, Pastor Greg Lundstedt. Now, let's join Greg for today's message. Well, I asked this question last week, and I'm going to ask it again as we continue in the same portion. How are we believers to behave in the midst of an ungodly world? How should we behave in the midst of a world that is backwards, that is turned upside down, a world that dishonors God and exalts man? How are we to behave in a world that ultimately is run by those who don't know Christ? How are we to behave in a world of those who Jesus would say would hate us? How are we to behave in the context of those who do not know Christ? I asked the question last week, should we be standing in the street corners yelling repent? Should we be holding up signs saying God hates this or that? Should we be trying to convince non-believers by contending with them? Should we be isolating ourselves from those who do not know Christ? Well, folks, as I've been going through this passage, and hopefully as we have been going through it, we've been convicted that we need to be reminded of some things. That sometimes we go out in the midst of non-believers and we have all sorts of methods and schemes on how we desire to win them and we don't obey the very basics from Scripture and how we are to behave in their midst. And that's what I believe we're going to see today, how we as believers are to behave in the midst of an ungodly world and why. And I believe we're going to see today through a gracious reminder that we were once also just like them. But God in His mercy and grace and kindness and love has saved us. If you turn your Bibles to Titus chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 3. We'll be focusing on verse 3. We've looked at 1 and 2 already. I'm going to go ahead and give you a little context here. Let's read the passage first. Titus chapter 3, verse 1. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. For we also were once foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice, 
and envy, hateful, hating one another. But when the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us. Not on the basis of deeds which we had done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, which He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That being justified by His grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We've been going through the book of Titus. We have seen Paul writing to his trusted child in the faith, Titus. He has left him in Crete to set in order what remains. And Paul said in the first chapter specifically to appoint elders in every city. And then the Apostle Paul gave the qualifications, not from Paul, but Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit for the elders of the church. There are to be godly men exhibiting Christ-like characteristics. And there are to be those who hold fast the faithful word that they may be able to exhort and refute in sound doctrine And we saw in chapter 1 why. For there are many rebellious men. There are contradictors. There are those who must be silenced. Those who teach things they should not teach. And we saw ultimately that Titus was to be different than those. Titus chapter 2 verse 1, he says, But you speak things only fitting for sound doctrine, Titus. In contrast to these false teachers who are teaching things they should not teach, upsetting whole households, these false teachers who are disobedient and they are worthless for any good deed. In, In contrast to them, Titus, But for you, speak things only which are fitting for sound doctrine. That means healthy teaching we saw. And then we saw in chapter 2, the healthy teaching, the sound doctrine concerning what we are to be, what older women are to be, what younger women are to be, what older men are to be, and what younger men are to be, and what bond slaves are to be. We're given clear teaching from the Word of God what we are to be. And the Lord gives us the reason and how we can be what God calls us to be. And we saw that in verse 11. For the grace of God, chapter 2, has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Or literally, God saving grace has appeared. The only way you can be what God has called you to be is to have experienced and been saved by the grace of God. And then we saw that same grace in the person of Christ is now instructing us to deny ungodliness, those things that are done out of irreverence and a lack of fear of God and worldly desires, those desires that line up with the world. They're all about me and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. That's what Christ is doing in the church. He is instructing us now to deny those things and to live this other way, which is in line with his personhood and character of a holy God. And we saw that the Lord Jesus Christ is training our eyes to be looking forward to his coming. Verse 13 of chapter 2, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. This is what we sang about, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. And then we had the exhortation to all of us. These things, it's too Titus, but it's for all of us. These things, speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Let no one say this isn't how Christ is working in the church. Let no one say anything else. Let them not disregard you. It is by the grace of God in Christ that we are saved. And that same grace in the person of Christ is instructing us now to live righteously. 
And with that in mind, we came to chapter 3, in which we are given a reminder, a reminder, things that we should know as believers. And we come to our verses, and we've looked at the first two verses already. We've looked at verse 1 and verse 2, and I want to review those briefly before we get to our passage today, which is verse 3. And we saw in the last few weeks that we are to remember how to behave towards the unsaved. And there were two areas that we were taught. One is in relationship to government. The other one is in relationship to all men. And I'll read this. Verse 1, remind them. Paul's telling Titus, remind them to be subject to rulers. That's hupotasa, to order yourself under rulers and authorities. To be obedient, and we saw that word focuses on authorities, to be obedient to authorities. And then we saw concerning all men, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Remind them, Titus, these believers in Crete, they need to be reminded. We need to be reminded. We need to be reminded how to act in the midst of an ungodly world. And we saw, first of all, our behavior as believers in relationship to government. How should we behave? Verse 1, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient. And we looked at some other passages. We looked at Romans 13. We looked at 1 Peter chapter 2. And we looked at John 19. And we looked at 1 Timothy 2. And we saw from Scripture the way we are to respond to government is to submit and obey and to honor and pray. That is our response from Scripture to government, whether good or bad. And we saw why. Because God has ordained all authority, we saw in Romans 13. We saw that even he ordained Pilate, a wicked man. And he ordained to have Caesar in power, a wicked man. That they are ordained by him, they are his ministers and servants, Romans 13, even though they might be evil. And God uses the righteous response of his people in submission to that evil to bring about redemptive opportunities, just like the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ responded righteously while suffering, and it brought about ultimately our redemption as he was led to the cross and died for us. And in the same way as we respond rightly in the midst of ungodliness, as Peter would say, it would silence ultimately. It would muzzle the ignorance of foolish men, people who are ignorant about what Christ is really doing, about who he is. It would silence their ignorance as they malign believers, and quite possibly they might glorify God in the day of visitation. Instead of running out and protesting and doing everything we need to do to try and change the government, we are to submit and obey and honor even wicked men like Nero. And we are to pray. And that's how we change it. How do we change our government? We pray that we might be able to lead a quiet life. We pray for them. We pray that they would be saved not changed from the outside by external pressure, but changed from the inside because of Christ. Submit and obey, honor, and pray. And we looked at that in depth two weeks ago. And then we saw last week, what is our behavior to be like in relationship to all men? Middle of verse 1, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. And do you remember last week I shared this all men here? I believe certainly we should behave this way towards believers, but it really focuses, I believe, on non-believers. 
And the reason why is because of the verse that we're going to look at today. Because he says in verse 3, For we also once were foolish ourselves, like all men, right? We were like that. So I believe he's talking here about our behavior in relation to non-believers. But how are we to treat non-believers? He says we are to be ready for every good deed, malign no one, to be uncontentious, to be gentle, showing every consideration or every gentle meekness towards all men, towards all those who do not know Christ. Well, how are we supposed to treat him? Are we to contend with foolish, hateful, disobedient man? Are we to speak evil of them? Are we to be harsh with them? Well, obviously not. We see in Scripture here to malign no one, to be uncontentious, to be gentle, showing every consideration for all men. And we saw last week that the first thing we were to be doing was to be in a continual, habitual state of readiness for every good deed. He didn't say march out and do all these good deeds. He said be ready for every good deed. And we know from Scripture that we are His workmanship believers created in Christ Jesus Ultimately, four good works or good deeds which God has prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. God has prepared the deeds for us to be ready for that we would walk in them. And if you remember from last week, we saw in 2 Timothy 3.16 that it is the Word of God alone that equips us for every good work. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And here's the reason that the man of God may be adequate equipped for every good work. We are to be in a state of continual, habitual preparedness and readiness for those good deeds that God has ordained before the foundation of the earth. This is the way we ought to be thinking around everybody eagerly anticipating and ready to obey what God says concerning every situation, to be ready to do what is right, to walk in those good deeds that God has prepared before the foundation of the earth. And some might say, well, being ready for good deeds, does that mean we're paralyzed and we never do anything? Well, as I shared last week, when we trust Christ stepping out in faith, His Word at work in our lives, when we are equipped and ready for every good deed that the Lord bears forth, when He brings those opportunities, we need to be ready from His Word to do what He says, and He alone will get the glory. We're ready for every good deed. We also saw last week that we are to not speak evil against anyone, to malign no one, verse 2, The word is blasphemo. It speaks of speaking injuriously. Oh, folks, we have a tendency in the Christian church to speak injuriously of non-believers. I'm not talking about talking about their sin that they might be saved, but speaking injuriously of them. It can refer to slander or defaming or dishonoring someone's reputation, insulting. And we are, as believers, to malign no one. Now, certainly we don't seek evil of those in the church, but what about the world? Folks, it seems as though many Christians believe they have a past to malign those who do not know Christ. And we are to malign no one. We need to confess at times the way we speak about those who do not know Christ. We speak the truth in love, but not in malicious hate. 
Now, last week we also saw that besides being continually habitually ready to do what God has prepared for us, being equipped by the Word, that also we are not to malign anyone. And then we saw that we are to be uncontentious and gentle. To malign no one, verse 2, to be uncontentious. We saw that word speaks of being without battle or without contention. So often we want to contend earnestly for the faith. Well, we don't realize that that message in Jude is towards false teachers, not towards non-believers. We do not contend with non-believers for the faith. We are to be uncontentious. For the Lord's bondservant is not quarrelsome, Paul would tell Timothy, but he is able to teach patient when wrong with gentleness correcting those in opposition if perhaps God might grant them repentance. We are to be uncontentious, and we also saw that we are to be gentle. We looked at that word. It's a different word for gentle than what's usually used in Scripture. It speaks of forbearing. It's used in Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. It speaks of gently yielding one's rights. We're to be uncontentious in the world. We are to gently yield our rights. Boy, that's missing a lot in the church these days. So many people will go to their work and a non-believer will swear around there and say, how dare you swear and use the Lord's name around me? Is that uncontentious? Is that gentle? As we're going to see, they don't know Christ. They can't do anything but that. And we were just like them. You're not giving a pass for sin. You're just being gracious and like the Savior uncontentious and gentle. And then we saw this last portion in verse 2, showing every consideration for all men, and we looked at it in depth. It literally means demonstrating all gentleness for all men. The word consideration is actually the same word translated meekness or gentleness. It is used in Matthew 11 to describe our Savior, the only time that the Lord Jesus Christ describes Himself when He says in Matthew 11:28, Come to Me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, and here is the word, gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. The word speaks of strength under control. It is meekness. It is strength that accommodates weakness. Yes, we are strong in the truth concerning Christ, but non-believers do not understand. They need the gospel. And they need the gospel from those who are uncontentious, who are ready for every good deed, who are maligning no one, who are gentle, showing and demonstrating consideration towards all men. Are you like the Savior, believer? If you're a believer in Christ, are you like the Savior? We were saved to be made like Christ. And we are being reminded here from the Word what we are to be. Do you demonstrate Meekness towards every man. Do you demonstrate that in your life? Do you demonstrate meekness? We need to stop telling non-believers to act like believers. We tell non-believers, you need to act this way. We need to yield graciously. We need to stop contending. But you say, what then do we do? How do we make the gospel known? Folks, we see how God does it. He has prepared the good works for us to walk into 
It is so simple. When non-believers see the life of Christ in us, when they see that we are not weary and heaven laden, and they see the gentleness of Christ in us, when they see that we have hope, they might ask why we have hope. And I mentioned last week, I have never yet once seen anyone in a debate concerning evolution say, why do you have hope, Christian? Folks, we need to share the gospel rather than contending. First Peter chapter 3, verse 14, But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. Here's what we should do instead, but sanctify or set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. Do what he says. If Christ is Lord of your heart, then you want to do what he says. You want to be gentle. You want to be uncontentious. You want to do what he says. Sanctify Christ as Lord of your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone. And then here's the qualifier who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Why do you have hope? And he says here, yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience, so that in the things which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So then we are to be ready for every good deed. We are to malign no one. We are to be uncontentious. We are to be gently yielding, forbearing. We are to be forbearing. And we are to be showing meekness, demonstrating it towards all men. But why is it we are to do this? Why are we to be this way? Why are we to act this way in the world? And this is where we come to our passage today. I'm going to start back in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 3. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed. And we're being reminded right now to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men or towards all men. And here's why. Here's an explanation. For we also once were foolish ourselves. We were just like them. We were fools. We once also were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. We're going to see a picture today of what we were like before Christ saved us. No matter how you think of yourself, this is what God says we were like. And some of you today may realize I am like that and I need a Savior. For we also once were foolish. He starts out verse 3 with the term for, which means it does not stand on its own. Verse 3 does not stand on its own. It is connected to what he has just said. He said, remind them of these things to be this way towards government and towards all men. Why? For we were just like them. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you. Thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 
800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, as we wrap up today's broadcast, what's our takeaway? You know, Dave, the takeaway is simply this. Don't forget what Christ has done for you. Don't forget the work that he has accomplished on your behalf. And and if it weren't for his intervention and his saving grace, we would still be in our sins. And brothers and sisters, when you're tempted to elevate yourself over those around you who do not know Christ, remember that you were just once like them. And it's only by the grace of God through the person of Christ that you've been saved. So then, it's so important that we see ourselves rightly in the context of what Christ has done for us, and that will enable us to be compassionate towards a lost and dying world. As we close today's broadcast, here's an important message from our teacher, Greg Lundstedt. Hi, this is Greg Lundstedt, and it is my great privilege to study and teach the Word of God and to share it with you each day on this radio station. And as you listen, I want to ask you this question. Has equipping the saints been a blessing to you? If so, would you prayerfully consider coming alongside us financially? You see, your financial partnership with us is so appreciated. So on behalf of the team here at Equipping the Saints, we want to praise our Lord and thank you for your prayers and financial support. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, to partner with us, call us toll-free, 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. Or if you prefer to send a gift online, our web address is etsradio.org. Well, we hope you make plans to join us again right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. Yeah.